Hello and welcome to The Genius Podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle, and I would like to invite you to join me and countless other Catholic women as we not only discover our own genius, but we own it, and then we bring it as a gift to the world and the people we do life with. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called The Genius Project. The Genius Project is dedicated to helping Catholic women discover their unique genius, what it is they are called to do with their gifts and their life. I hope and pray that you will come away inspired and as St. Catherine of Siena said, set the world ablaze with your genius. I am so excited to bring you something really special this week. I am involved with Sisterhood, which is a national Catholic women's movement. We host Australia's main National Catholic Women's Conference, as well as support women to form Sisterhood Connect groups. These groups are made up of approximately five to seven women who meet on a regular basis in someone's home, and they are a beautiful place of support, formation and prayer. This year, we were four days off hosting our national conference when the world went into lockdown. This left so many women ready to be spiritually fed at the conference, but not able to attend the event. With the COVID shutdown, so many women expressed feeling really isolated and they expressed a deep need for connection despite social distancing. So the Sisterhood Movement set up virtual Sisterhood Connect groups for women right around the country. And we decided to do a book study on Father Jacques Philippe's book, Searching for and Maintaining Inner Peace. Women met online once a fortnight and worked through the book. We produced a beautiful PDF journal for them to go deeper in their personal prayer time, as well as a podcast which unpacked each chapter. It is this podcast that I am so excited to share with you through The Genius Project. For six podcasts, I am joined by Therese Nichols, a female Catholic entrepreneur and founder of One Plate, as well as Sister Mary Helen, a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia, Nashville, Tennessee. These two women are incredibly special and have been a really important part of my journey. You will see and experience their beautiful heart through our conversation. We had such a blessed time recording these conversations and we really hope and pray that they will be a blessing to you. Oh, it's so nice to connect with you both again. We recorded um, a few of the podcasts earlier on and we've had quite a few weeks off, so it's really nice Mm -hmm. to reconnect and, yeah, get together again over Zoom. How are you both? Going well. It's so lovely to chat with you both again after these few weeks. My two months in the country has come Mm. to an end (laughs) of all those beautiful country walks. So I'm back in Melbourne um, in my apartment down here, uh, which is good. So things have sort of been going back to normal, but not in Melbourne. So Because um, it's just exploded you, this week, hasn't it? Again. It has. Yeah, again. So they have put the restrictions back on mm-hmm. with larger gatherings. So we're back down to five people again, which is oh, gosh, that's a little hard. bit disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there, a lot of meetings are starting to go back and uh, cafes are still open, which is okay. good, yeah. but only in small groups. And sister, how's your weeks been? Yeah, pretty good, pretty full. Yeah. Uh, we're in HSC exam sort ah. of preparation time, so catching up on a lot of um, assessments that were missed. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty busy at school. <laughs> but it's good. The kids are, are now humming along. Um, it's really lovely to watch. 
watch Fantastic. them work. So, yeah, oh, that's good. That is good. Mm. It's been a bit weird, hasn't it? I found as I put mm. my head out, because, you know, after everyone being in isolation, it's taking a while for people to reconnect. And I thought it was just me. But as I talk to people, it seems that a lot of people are actually finding it difficult getting finding a new rhythm and getting back into, I guess, post-isolation life and trying to <laughs> reconnect with people. I think that it's, what's been really beautiful at school is listening to the kids talk about um, the friendships that they're building with their brothers and sisters because um, they had to be friends because they're the only people that they had in their house. And it's so nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's just been a, a lovely little yeah. observation. Yeah. Well, my kids have met all the neighbourhood children, which we've never done in 12 years living in this home. So they've got this neighbourhood gang now. There's about two of them and they go mountain biking and they're building these massive jumps, much to my horror. (laughs) It is beautiful seeing the graces that have come out of isolation with with new connections, with new friendships and Mm. people, even old friendships that have been rekindled through phone and through zoom of people being um, more aware I think and mindful of others and where they're at and connecting on a deeper level of through through shared struggles because even though I mean everybody's going through this in a different way and people have different struggles within it whether it's financial or family whatever it might be but it's all because of the same thing so Mm. there's this global understanding which is really interesting. It's, it's united many people mm. in in a bizarre way, even though we can't actually connect physically. <laughs> I think I found this book to be particularly helpful during this season because it's really challenged me. Um, and just coming, I guess, now that we're nearing the end of it, like we're finishing in this podcast episode, we're going to finish part two of the book and looking at ways that we lose our peace. But I think, I mean, I read this book for the first time six or seven years ago and it was so powerful back then. But as I read it this time, and obviously I'm taking more time with it because we have to do the podcast, so you you really do Mm. know what you're talking about. Mm. (laughs) I'm reading it through a different lens and Mm. it's been incredibly powerful and and challenging too. There's no coincidence in the fact that we're doing this book study during this time. And I think Mm. God's doing a deeper work that in my life that I can't actually put into words at the moment. But you know when you sense he's doing something? even though you can't Mm -hmm. see it. And the one thing that I've come away with um, just this past week actually was at the beginning of this year, my sisterhood small group, we all decided, we asked God for a word for us for the year, each woman in the group. And so I've shared before, mine was pursue peace just came into my mind and I've said that I wish I could withdraw that because (laughs) I felt like, you know, the more I pursued peace, the more it seemed to slip away or more situations were coming into my life that really challenged my peace. But I've, I've come to realise that it's not just peace, but God gave me the word pursue peace. And that word mm. pursue really stood out for me this week because, and I'll be honest, you know, like the past week probably wasn't my best week. I've been feeling quite flat just with lots of challenges and things. And I I was really struck by that word pursue peace and Mm. particularly the word pursue. And I was reminded of St. Augustine's quote that said, he who created you without your cooperation, he will not save you without your cooperation. And there's that link about cooperation and 
pursuit of peace that I actually have responsibility. There's a lot, yes, that's outside my control. Absolutely. There's things that feel like they're falling apart that are way outside my control. But in the middle of that, I think what this book is showing me is that there is actually a lot that I can do. Like I'm not Mm. helpless. I'm not just, you know, life just isn't happening to me, like, but that I can actively pursue, I can actively cooperate with God's grace. And mm. and I think for God's grace to be abundant in our life, it does require that level of cooperation from us. Yeah, yeah I love that, Karen. And it reminds me of what St. Joan of Arc said when she said, act and God will act. Mm. And when we step up, that's when um, we, in a way, um, we give permission to God. We mm. we unlock something there for God's grace to start flowing. Mm. It's interesting um, when you said the word at the beginning of the year, um, every year I do something similar. I pray for three words for you that I can really live out and act and um, receive from God to be mindful of those words to to you, to be during that year. And usually the words I get are words like, Love, joy, peace, faith, <laughs> prayer, um, yeah, fun, whatever they might be. But the word that I got this year was so, it sounds bizarre, it sounds a bit <laughs> funny, yeah. but the word that I got was white space. Oh. And in, in, in design, uh, a lot of designers use the word white space in order uh, to create space, to create white space on whether it's a wall or an image for the image to stand out even more. Mm-hmm. And so this word, which is so different from all, you know, the virtuous words I might get up here. <laughs> white <laughs> space. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I really felt in prayer that God was saying, you clear, clear the table and create more white space in your life for me mm-hmm. to, to speak to you and for you to just to be still, be present and to have that interior quietness. And so that was on the 1st of January and pretty much all through January and February was anything but white space. It was mm-hmm. so busy and full and it was my choice. Like I filled it up with stuff and I was traveling and working and there was no, there wasn't that white space that I knew God was calling me to until the end of March when <laughs> we went into lockdown <laughs> and suddenly my social calendar was clear. There was no meetings. Um, there was no travel. And suddenly there was this time and I was, I'm was i so grateful to God for it because I started to learn what that meant of white space, of that stillness yeah. and peace. And through that time I feel like God has been teaching me about what it means to be, not do, mm. and to have that interior quietness. And I can pray and pray and ask God to give me all the peace <laughs> that I need. But if yeah. I'm actually not actively, as you said, Karen, pursuing that yeah. and um, acting and asking and being and living that peace, then it's hard to receive that peace. Mm. So it's been a time of, of growth for me and learning over these few months of of what interior quietness and stillness means and the importance of being, not Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. I like that white space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've decided my word for next year is going to be ice cream (laughs) because terrible can come from ice cream. (laughs) 
Oh, God. Do you sense a resistance yeah. to growth there? Yeah, something's going on. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, it's very interesting because, I mean, I do the same thing. But uh, what's striking me more is um, this morning I was talking to my students. Um, every day we read the gospel for a while. Like I just said, you cannot graduate my class without having read the gospels. Um, and they're really good. They get into it. Um, but today we were talking, um, he was, Jesus was talking in the parables, you know, whoever has ears to listen, ears to hear should listen. Um, just kind of mm. making me think about, yeah, we're trying to do that. We are trying to cooperate with grace. We're all trying to listen. It's not enough just to hear. You have to listen. You have to, and the kids were yeah. um, saying, oh, I was like, what does that mean? You know, well, we have to have that heart open system. I'm like, yeah, amen. You know? <laughs> but, and I said to them, you know, there's not one day in your life that God has decided he's not going to speak to you today. Uh, mm. He has a word for each of us every day if we are listening. And I, I think it's just interesting. I'm sitting here going, wow, we're trying. <laughs> we're yeah. trying mm. to hear God and he's, he is speaking, you know, and maybe yeah. that whisper mm. that happened whenever that, that word came to us. Yeah, well, we haven't forgotten, and he he keeps speaking through that. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful, and it, that leads very nicely into this episode where we're talking about the reasons that cause us to lose peace. And mm-hmm. I think, sister, what you said, like we'll get to that towards the end when he talks about looking at what happens when we have big decisions to make or really trying to hear from God. But mm-hmm. last in the last episode, we spoke about the reasons that cause us to lose our peace can be things like suffering um, in other people and others' behaviour, obviously. <laughs> but this week we're going to turn our attention and, and he spends quite a bit of time. In fact, he spends an entire half of part two of the book looking at us as individuals. So turning our attention towards ourselves and how we lose our peace because of ourselves, not because of others and not because of outst- you know, outside circumstances, but because of ourselves. And so he breaks down three areas that this happens. He said, number one is we lose patience with ourselves. Um, we bash ourselves up and over our faults and our imperfections. The second area is in our sin. And when we do sin and we do fall. And then finally, he says, the third area is when we experience unrest, when we have decisions to make. And so I just, I've really enjoyed reading this section particularly, mm-hmm. and it's it's been really good. And I think everybody who listens to this is on a different point of their faith journey. But I mm-hmm. would say that and he does highlight this as well, that at the start of our faith journey, obviously we have sin in our life and and so a lot of our energy is sort of directed towards overcoming sin and, and to growing in virtue with God's grace. But he says as we develop on the spiritual journey, there becomes a great temptation which is always before us. So the holier we get or the, the more we grow in holiness, this temptation becomes even greater. And he says that it's the one that the enemy uses to ex- he exploits us and he uses it to discourage us on our spiritual journey so that we drop our gaze from Christ and, and even just for a second. But any time we drop our gaze from Christ, we run the danger of, of becoming really discouraged. And he said it's around the, our experience of how we deal with our own faults. And I thought this was a really, really insightful chapter 
because he said sometimes, you know, despite our best efforts, actually often all the time, <laughs> despite our best efforts, <laughs> we still fail. Mm. And we, we mm. can become so discouraged. We can be really upset. We can get frustrated with God. Why don't you heal me? Why don't you save me? Why don't you fix this area of my life? Um, so I guess the question is how do we deal with our faults? And asking that question, when I fail, when I'm like I'm imperfect, he's created me imperfect. So how do I deal with that? So I'm interested from both of you, like how do you both deal with, I guess, when you fail and mm. when you fall down, like what's, how do you approach that experience that we all feel of, I think the temptation to berate ourselves and to really keep scolding ourselves is always there. So I guess, yeah, how do you deal with that in your own life? I remember when I was younger and I didn't deal with it well, <laughs> as, well as well. I probably still don't deal with it great, but I remember I, I discovering why it was that I didn't deal with it well when I was younger. It was this kind of thought one day. I think I, I had it in my mind as a young thing that um, we were trying to sort of arrive at this state of grace, mm. you know, where you don't fall anymore. Um, and it was just so impossible um, and I was really trying, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, um, oh, I kept trying and trying and trying and you'd never get there. And I thought, gosh. And so every time you would fall, it would be a frustration because I did it again and, and it's just a reason to be upset. Yeah. But when I, um, it's beautiful when you just have a little bit of formation, you know, and you realise, no, no, actually, um, you're in grace. Like God is living in you. Mm -hmm. it's, you're living a life of grace and just that intellectual shift changed mm -hmm. the way I could respond to falls um, a lot. I mean, drastically because mm -hmm. life, it became a life and life is, you know, a bit organic and it has its ups and its downs and it's, it's not supposed to be all linear and beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. clean. And yes. it really, I think that suffering under this false ideal um, probably causes more problems, you know, than just being like, you know, it's a life of grace and God is living in us and more, you know, cooperate with him. Um, and another great piece of advice I received was, you know, like to learn to laugh, like laugh at yourself because um, mm -hmm. then, then it's just funny like of course I would do that I mean of course I that's hilarious you know and um and to think in this moment if if my desire is to please God then um I I'd start to form a habit of looking at him and so then if you fall over what does he want but to pick you up so he's standing there with his arms open the worst thing I could do is sit in the corner and fold mm. over myself and berate myself when he's just, I leave him hanging, you know, leave him waiting, just waiting for me to just get back up. Um, so that even visual has helped me yeah. tremendously. That's beautiful. To just, what's the objective now? Run back in his arms, you know. Mm. That's really mm. beautiful. What yeah. about you, Therese? Mm. How do you deal with your faults? Therese, having, I suppose, a self-awareness um, to be aware of what those faults and sin are mm -hmm. and to see the truth within that. And Father Jacques talks about it a lot, about taking the drama out of it mm -hmm. because I know times where, like, I, you know, I'm really, as you were saying, um, Sister Mary Helen, of just trying so hard, we can become merely scrupulous and um, 
we try so hard that it becomes a drama mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense. And I think for me it was nearly taking the drama out of that and the acceptance of we all sin, we all have faults, mm-hmm. um, where we're not God, <laughs> mm-hmm. he is our saviour. And that I suppose that in a way that striving, that trying, that hustling of that I don't have to hustle for for my um for God to love me. It's just that complete acceptance of who I am and that God loves me of where I'm at, who I am at and who I am and to continue to try to be better and to strive in holiness. Um, but it's that acceptance and it's actually something, it was through reading this book actually oh, seven years ago, I shared the story a couple of episodes back when I first read this book in Assisi and it was when Father Jacques said, I've got it written here, I highlight it here in the book on page 64, he says, without making ourselves sad or discouraged, we should recover our peace as quickly as possible, thanks to graces from on high, and resume our normal spiritual life as if nothing has happened. The more quickly re- we recover our peace, the better it will be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that getting up. Um, yeah. I think a saint said it, that... Um, what's a quote where a saint is somebody who falls and then gets yes. back up again. Yes. And it's that we, like, I know that, you know, there might, until I'm in heaven that I will fall and I'll make mistakes and I'll, you know, I'll have faults, but it's, it's knowing it's, I suppose it's that, um, that willpower to stand back up again mm-hmm. and resume, receive that peace, accept who I am, continuing to always strive, continuing to always, you know, climb the ladder and but try. knowing that you know and try <laughs> yeah. that I'll fall back again but getting up again and again and I think it's also saying having that affirmation in the morning of saying that I won't be discouraged and Father Jacques talks about that in in the book as well of saying each morning I'll I will never become discouraged that mm-hmm. to not let our faults discourage us and to get us down because then that becomes the work of the devil that's where this lie comes in to try and discourage us through our own faults Mm. even though it's a good thing that we're trying so hard to be better and to be perfect like god the devil can um steal that truth away turn it into a lie and discourage us and suddenly we can't get back up we're falling down and so i really i do love that part in the book when father Jacques just says resume as if nothing has happened and that's where I just believe for me personally the power of confession is just extraordinary the riches of that sacrament of confession to be able to go to reconciliation to be able to um, know and believe in the power of God's grace and the power of God's mercy in that moment and our sin is forgiven and then we can move on in full confidence which unlocks that peace within us. Mm. And I think a lot of it actually, like we know that the sacrament of confession um, is powerful and God's mercy um, is never ending. A lot of it is in our own belief in knowing how powerful God is in that moment of confession and believing it. And doubting it is actually doubting God's mercy. Yes, and his gift. Yeah. His gift. So, yeah, it's that it's really knowing that we are forgiven in that moment. And because we are forgiven, 
we shouldn't be discouraged, that we should be able to get back up again and keep moving on. And knowing that that time that we fell down isn't um, going backwards, that moment of falling down is actually can be our greatest moments of growth. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what can actually move us forward. And I think Father Jacques talks about that, or perhaps it was um, one of the saints of, you know, these great saints became great saints because through their fallings, through their faults, that's what actually made them grow. And I suppose that goes back to our decision of uh, are we going to act? Are we going to take this? And that's what you were talking at the beginning, Karen, of um, about pursuing peace. Are we? Do we make that decision to say, okay, I've fallen, but I'm going to take those lessons yeah. and use it to grow closer to God? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I think that's what he moves on to say and he makes a big point of this. He quotes St John of the Cross and he says, love is able to profit from everything, the good as well as the bad that it finds in me and to transform it into itself. And he goes on to say the sign of spiritual progress is not so much never falling as it is being able to lift yourself up quickly after you fall. And I just, I, it takes a lot of pressure off. I mean, obviously we don't want to be complacent and say, oh, well, we can just do whatever we like. And, mm-hmm. But we, we do need to be, you know, we have, need to have good intentions and, and, and do try and do strive towards living a good and a holy life. But when we do fall, and inevitably we will, multiple times a day, being able to pick ourselves up quickly and and not to I think sometimes when we do something bad or we hurt another person or say someone has serious sin in their life the temptation there to berate yourself I think comes from this mindset that you need to be punished and and Mm. if God isn't going to punish you then you need to punish yourself and so those negative thoughts that really you know talk you into a hole and and talk you out of your worth and talk you out of God's mercy I mean, that is the enemy and that's what he's saying in this chapter, that that is the way that Satan gets in to discourage us and we really have to guard against that. I thought, oh, last, last night actually I got a message from Jonathan this morning and he just, it was a really nice text. He just said, you did a remarkable job debriefing. Two of our children had an argument on the mountain last night. He said, you did an incredible <laughs> job debriefing the fight and you did a more incredible job at teaching them emotional intelligence. And when they came home, they were both so fired up and they said things to each other and, and we talked it out and finally they could hear one another and, and the heart behind the other rather than looking at the offence at what happened. Mm-hmm. And they both apologised and they were very sweet. It was such a beautiful moment witnessing them hearing the other and then mm. owning what they did in the situation, asking for forgiveness. And then we spoke about what they could both do differently next time. And it was, it was a really beautiful moment where they forgave one another and and one of my children was quite upset still, but not because of what the other person had done to them, but because of what they had done. And mm. and they were crying and just saying, well, you know, I, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I said, but you've been forgiven, your sibling's forgiven you, and God's forgiven you, so we don't have to talk about it again. It's all good. Mm. <laughs> we just move on and mm. we just learn the lessons from this situation so that doesn't happen next time. I said to them, you know, the only bad mistake in life is the one that we never learn from. So it's, and that's what he's saying. It's not so much making the mistake. It's not so much sinning or falling down, 
But it's like when we don't learn or when we don't quickly pick ourselves up. And my parents are just two of the most beautiful humans on the planet. But my dad had this philosophy of parenting and it's very much in line with with everything we're reading here. It's very godly. But he said, you know, we need to discipline quickly, swiftly, cleanly, and then welcome back into the fold quickly. Mm. Because it's like, okay, just deal with the behaviour and then let's welcome back with no shame, no strings attached and no lingering yeah. of your bad, What you know, because I think that's what shame is. Shame doesn't say what I did was bad. It says I'm bad. Yes. And that's mm. that's like a wound that I think so many of us as humans carry and it comes so often from our experiences growing up where mm. we do this. We start, we take a message and we tell ourselves we're bad, we're bad, I, I'm this, I'm that. Well, God doesn't do that with us. And part of pursuing peace and, and finding and maintaining peace in our heart is very much that we... We do that. We allow God to convict us, the Holy Spirit to convict our heart. But then, and, and we own that, we take responsibility, we apologise to the Lord and to others, and then we move on, move on swiftly. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful, Karen. And it just reminds me, I suppose, of um, the scripture, his mercy is new every day. And the way Jesus, um, Jesus doesn't linger on, we might, sometimes we look, we see God the way through our own lens. If we linger on something or we draw something out or we find it hard to forgive someone and it might take us days or months or even years, we can merely put that on God, that that's how God must mm. act and towards us. But, yeah, he doesn't linger. It, it disappears. We say sorry and it goes and it's done and he moves on and it's that starting every day and you, isn't it? Um, yeah. oh, I just, I love um, in the book where Father Jacques draws it out a little bit around the scripture, everything works together for the good mm. of those who mm. love God. And to believe that God is good and that he's all powerful and um, enough to draw good, he, he is all powerful enough to draw good from everything, including our faults, which is amazing when we think of what our faults are and our sin and our, um, our shortcomings and, you know, all the gifts that we don't have. Even within all of that, God can draw out so much good and can actually transform things around us through our own faults, mm -hmm. which is extraordinary. Yes, it is because we can't beat them in our own strength, but it's still it's amazing that he can do something good from them. He talks about us, our imperfections, and then our sin. And, and then he talks about how we can lose peace when we have decisions to make. And I think this is a big one, actually, for a lot of Catholics because I think we get really caught up in trying to make the right decision or know what God's actual will is. And I think we can become paralysed in that process and lose a lot of peace. Yeah, I think it's he's very balanced in the way he presents it and he's clearly had a lot of experience dealing with people making big decisions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to have, the, to have the prudence to not make big decisions in the middle of um, a tumultuous time, you know, mm -hmm. like to step back and make sure there is calm about making a big decision. Um, but at the same time, I love the way he... 
he, he, you know, cautions against taking too much time and pondering over something for too long until we have some sort of certainty. And I think that's just not the way God works with us in general. Like we, we have the certainty that he is good and we have the certainty he is with us and that he loves us. But we don't have the certainty about, you know, what he's up to or why things are the way that they are or when is he coming again. There's a lot of things that he leaves us, um, you know, without certainty because, you know, that that's just not it's not our place. You know, it keeps us dependent. It keeps us clinging to him and, and trusting him. I've also tried to control it all. And uh, the whole first of the book, part of the book was like, what are you trying to control your life for? And I think sometimes when we take too much time, we're actually just heading back into that area of trying to control. And I, I think that God has a great love for our freedom and for our intellect. He gave us an intellect to use. And, and I think he enjoys it when we, you know, we're prudent, we take advice, we think about what's right or wrong and, and, and often the burdensome decisions are between good and better, you know, <laughs> not, not between yeah. bad and, and good. But just make the decision and trust and, and be okay that maybe it ends up a, a mistake and that's okay because mm. we've done what we could. We're just so afraid of making a mistake we don't do anything at all. And maybe the mistake is what we really needed. And maybe it's not really a mistake in the end because I see that all the time with um, vocation discernment. You know, you can have these perpetually discerning people who never make a step and it's just such a torture. Mm. I love that, Sister Mary Helen, because it is, it's that acceptance that, that it's okay to make the wrong decision. And, I mean, there's big decisions and there's small decisions It's not so much whether we actually discover the code to discovering God's will as it is we have, um, it's a state of the heart and having a good intention that we're really seeking the Lord. But in seeking the Lord that we don't torment ourselves to the point where we lose our peace because that is not what he wants and that's not of God. But he just asks for goodwill and good intentions. And and like you said, sister, he gives us the freedom. Like he actually wants Mm -hmm. us to decide for ourselves mm-hmm. and we have that freedom and it's part of how we co-create with him I think in this world right. yeah so mm. I love how Father Jacques says in a book um, on page 72 but it may happen that the Lord does not respond to us and this is completely normal sometimes he simply leaves us free and sometimes for reasons of his own he does not manifest himself It is good to know this because it often happens that people, for fear of making a mistake, of not doing the will of God, seek at any price to have an answer. They increase their reflections, their prayers. They open the Bible 10 times looking for a text in order to obtain the desired enlightenment. And when I read that, I was like, that's me. I love what Father Jacques says when he says perfectionism doesn't have much to do with sanctity. Yes, (laughs) yes. I like that too. And often I think part of um, the reason why we become so paralysed in decision-making is because we want things to be right. We want things to be perfect. We want the outcome of this decision to create a perfect circumstance. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't lead to our um, sanctity. It's what happens in between. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine that just God looking down on us and delighting in our attempts, you know? Like Mm -hmm. imagine you've given your your child, you know, a whole 
bunch of art where you know paints and paper and everything and they just sit there just afraid of wasting them and they never even draw anything mm. you know you don't delight but we have all these gifts we have our intelligence we have our freedom we have our you know all our gifts and talents that we have and he just delights in us using them and um yeah i think otherwise and our image of god would be a bit skew if if we thought oh no he's he wants it like so razor thin exactly this way or else you know and he's not like that that's right and sometimes i feel like he's just he, he has he's given us those gifts and talents and all he wants us to do is just jump in get into the arena and yeah. give it a go and for me I find that engagement brings clarity when I'm in there I don't know whether it's right or wrong of the project yes. that I might be doing but if I give it a go and do a bit of a low-cost protest have a bit of a dabble <laughs> and see what happens just engaging in whatever that decision is or engaging in mm. that project I get clarity through that God speaks yeah. through through that so mm. yeah it's a real to not be afraid to make mistakes but just to jump in the arena give it a go have and through that engagement that will bring clarity for the next yeah. step what he also says is if you get really stuck because we all do it's times get stuck mm. and you have prayed then ask someone ask a spiritual friend and he, he really spends a bit of time looking at this area of inviting somebody else in to help you. Mm. He says, the mere fact of speaking to another person will generally be enough to make our confusion disappear completely and bring back our peace. He says, you know, if you've tried to regain your calm and you can't, open up to a spiritual person. And I thought mm. that was a really beautiful insight because... I, I don't know. I think so many people think they have to work all this out on their own and mm. in isolation and that it's just between you and God. But God gives us spiritual directors. He gives us sisters in the Lord to walk with us, mentors, spiritual mothers. And all of these people are really important in, I guess, discerning God's will for our life and then walking that out in the day in, day out of wherever we find ourselves. I think mm. that's actually even more important than the answer you know it's yes, um, it is it's part of that it's being able to go to someone um and and be vulnerable like so mm -hmm. that the humility aspect and yeah. then the friendship aspect yeah and and not even like not even weighing like giving the person the burden to come up with the answer to the solution mm -hmm. that might not be actually what what gives you the direction maybe it's the direction or the the peace comes just from the fact that you you were open out to somebody else and you're not doing it alone. Mm -hmm. And I love the quote from Edith Stein. Madeline Carrington shared it on our episode on the Genius Podcast on the feminine genius. And this beautiful quote is, a woman's soul is fashioned to be a shelter in which other souls may unfold. And mm. I love that because it's so much the receptivity of femininity mm. that we are meant to be receptive to the human person. Like that is, I guess, our genius, our gift as yeah. women. And so we need to learn to receive that from others and to give that. And it, it works both mm. ways. And it's such a gift. I know in oncology, palliative care, nursing, we read, oh, I read a book called May I Walk You Home? And it spoke about mm. how, you know, a midwife can give a woman a beautiful birthing experience 
apart from all the pain, but <laughs> she can set that up so that she has a positive experience of, of bringing life into the world. And this book, May I Walk You Home, was talking about how as nurses, being midwives, I guess, to the dying, how we could set people up to have a positive experience of, you know, ending their life here and, and going home and meeting their Lord. And yeah. even for people who are Christian, it changed our philosophy on our ward this idea that we were walking people home to heaven's door. And, you know, sometimes we call it the hold of mercy. You know that um, beautiful sculpture of the Pieta, Mary Mm. holding Mm. Jesus. And I read another book that talked about that being the hold of mercy, that sometimes Mm. in life when people feel like their whole worlds are being blown apart by whatever it is, just, just be held, whether it's physically or over the phone, to be held in love, to be, like you said, sister, to be vulnerable. And, and to be vulnerable means to be seen in the fullness of who you are, all of your strengths, but all of your weaknesses and your brokenness, and to be loved and to be held. Mm. I mean, I think that is the most beautiful gift that we could give anybody. Father Jacques finishes off this part of the book talking about the royal way of love. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, just holding people in their pain is the royal way of love. Walking with somebody, not necessarily having the answers, but just walking alongside them. And I, I love that saying, the royal way of love. Yeah. <laughs> I just I yeah. watched I watched part of the uh, Netflix series The Crown during COVID, <laughs> and so <laughs> I was just thinking about you know royalty and and this idea of the royal way of love. And I, I don't know what your reflections are on that last part of part two, but I'd love to hear them. Oh, I just, I, yeah, I loved that, um, that last part on the Royal Way to Love and how he talks about small things done with love and to please God are uh, extremely beneficial um, in making us grow and it's one of the secrets to holiness. And I think at the end of the day, it all, it does, it goes back to love. When St John of the Cross said at the end of our life, we'll be judged by love alone. Mm-hmm. And Somewhere, I'm not sure where Father Jacques said it, but he said that once, once we, once we receive and live that peace within our soul, that unlocks love. That's where we can really give from a place of deep love to others. And there's that, yeah. And that's that's where the joy comes yeah. through love. Yeah, I love this. Um, the very last page of that section because he's the whole time he's talking about how do you keep your peace in the middle of all these things. Mm. And I, it's very practical, but I've experienced the, the truth of this, that we can work from the outside in and the inside out, you know, like uh, this journey toward peace, this pursuing of peace is a long, it's a protracted journey. Mm. <laughs> but he even talks about just, just forming habits of uh, how do I walk up the stairs? You know, mm. how, how, what's my pace in my when I walk anywhere, um, can I slow down the outside as a way of um, relaxing the inside? You know? And mm. I think that's really true. This whole body and soul thing, we can work from both yeah. sides, putting order in my, um, you know, in a convent, there's a three things that are very, very practical, but they kind of give an indication of the interior. So silence, what sort of silence can I keep? What kind of order can I keep? And am I and punctuality? Am I am I punctual to things? They're very mm. external, but mm. they I found working on any of those always has a positive impact on the interior. 
Mm. Um, and if and if any of those on the outside are slipping, probably something inside slipping too. So I just really like that. I like that. Yeah, mm. that's beautiful. Mm. Uh, I liked how he said, Therese, you picked up on it, the small things done with love. But just even like, sister, what you said, speaking peacefully with mm. an attitude of gentleness, avoiding excessive hurry. And we just don't realise how much, like you said, sister, the external impacts our soul. And I think COVID really highlighted that. And Therese, you picked up on it when, you know, before COVID you were rushing around and there wasn't much time or space, but that time of isolation allowed you to quieten the rhythm of your soul. Yeah, and and ensuring that, yeah, those lessons all that I've learned through this period that I continue to exercise and practice it. So it is for a lifetime Otherwise, it's just something that comes and goes. And I think it's that daily that, you know, if we think of tomorrow and the future and next week and 10 years, we can become overwhelmed. But making the decision each morning when I wake up that this is, I'm going to, I'm going to be slower in my steps Mm -hmm. (laughs) up the stairs or I'm going to do every small thing I do, I'm going to do it with great love as St. Therese of Lysia says no matter how small, like washing the dishes or whatever it might be, but it's making that decision for today because today's what we have mm-hmm. and it makes it doable. It makes it practical and exercising it each day and then that builds on to the next day and the Absolutely. day after. So I think that's a good place to leave it there, looking at the challenge for the week being the royal way of love. Therese, exactly as you said, what can we do each day to bring great love to the small acts that we are to do? I hope and pray that conversation was a real blessing to you. And I really encourage you to take some time before the Blessed Sacrament and allow the truths contained in this little book to really penetrate your heart and your soul. If you are interested in a copy of the PDF journal for each episode, head on over to The Genius Project, www.geniusproject.co and fill out the form on the podcast page. Don't forget your challenge of the week. And until next week, God bless you and have a beautiful week.